Welcome to Econ on the Go. Last time we talked about how government intervention in the form of taxes and subsidies affects the competitive equilibrium and creates deadweight loss. This time, let's talk about another way in which governments intervene in the economy and create deadweight loss, and that's through price and quantity restrictions. Remember, our competitive market equilibrium, we have price on the vertical axis and quantity on the horizontal axis. And so again, these are the two fundamental variables that the government is going to try to affect to create where the equilibrium should be instead of where the equilibrium wants to be in the competitive model. Price restrictions occur when the government restricts the price to be something other than the competitive equilibrium. Examples of this include minimum wages in labor markets or rent control in a housing market. So in big cities, we often see rent control in certain areas or certain parts of a town. And in labor markets, we often see minimum wages. There's national minimum wage and certain states have their own state level minimum wage. And if we think about this, these are examples of price ceilings and price floors. Now, price ceilings are when the price is kept below the market equilibrium price. And a price floor is when the price is kept above the market equilibrium price. It's a little bit backwards in how we normally think of ceilings and floors. Normally, we think of floors at the bottom and ceilings at the top. But a price ceiling is when the price is below the market equilibrium price, so it's on the bottom. And price floors are when it's above the market equilibrium price. And to see this, think about price ceiling in conjunction with rent control. Rent control means that instead of paying thousands of dollars for that penthouse overlooking Central Park, you only have to pay hundreds of dollars, which means the price should be higher in a competitive market, but the rent control keeps it below that equilibrium price. That's a ceiling. Price floors, again, are when the price is kept above the market equilibrium price, which would be like an example of a minimum wage. In a minimum wage, the market would go down to a lower wage, but the minimum level mandated by the government keeps that wage from falling lower than it would otherwise, which would be down to the market equilibrium. So minimum wages are examples of price floors, where the price is above the market equilibrium, and rent control is an example of a price ceiling where the price is kept below the market equilibrium price. Price restrictions cause deadweight loss because the competitive equilibrium is not achieved. We're not selling at the point where supply and demand intersect. When we set a price ceiling and the price is kept below the market equilibrium price, we take the price out to the supply curve because that's the first one we intersect. The demand curve is farther out to the right, but the supply curve is where the firm stops supplying. And so when we have a price ceiling, we actually restrict output in the market and therefore we don't get out to the competitive equilibrium. There are still people who are willing to pay a higher price than it costs us as society to produce, but the price restriction prevents us from getting out to that competitive equilibrium, and therefore we have deadweight loss. Price floors are the same way. When the price is kept above the market equilibrium price, we take the market price out to the demand curve. That's where consumers or buyers stop purchasing. We don't go all the way out to the supply curve. We stop at the demand curve. And in the market for labor, the demand is firms. Firms demand laborers. Supply is provided by the workers themselves. So when we have a higher minimum, a minimum wage above the market clearing price, the firms are going to stop demanding workers before we get to the competitive equilibrium of employment in the economy. Quantity restrictions occur when the government restricts the quantity to be something other than the competitive equilibrium. 
So price restrictions, the government changes the price to not be the competitive level. In quantity restrictions, the government restricts the quantity to be something other than the competitive equilibrium. And this is almost always in the form of keeping the quantity below the equilibrium amount. Sometimes the government will mandate that you have to trade more than what the competitive equilibrium is, and that sort of acts like a subsidy that we saw last time. The government is forcing consumers and producers to go beyond what the competitive equilibrium would say, and there usually has to be some sort of subsidy involved or some sort of payment to incentivize producers and consumers to go beyond that competitive outcome. An example of where the quantity is kept below the equilibrium amount is a trade quota. So if we think of international trade, shipping, one of the big points of contention about NAFTA, the North America Free Trade Agreement between the U.S., Mexico, and Canada, which was recently renegotiated, was that there were certain quotas placed on goods like, for example, milk between Canada and the U.S. There was only a certain amount of milk that was allowed to be sold, sometimes with certain prices, but there were quotas on how much could be sold between the countries. There are quotas that are placed on lumber between the two countries uh, as part of the NAFTA deal. And these were renegotiated as part of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement. When there is a trade quota and the government restricts the quantity, we can't produce out to where the demand and supply curves intermeet because the government says at some quantity before that point, you have to stop trading. When the quantity is restricted below the competitive outcome, we again have deadweight loss because there are quantities between the restricted output and the competitive output where someone is willing to pay more based on the demand curve than it costs us as society to produce, which is the supply curve. And because we lose all those potential trades, we have deadweight loss in the economy because of the restriction. Now, as we saw with taxes, there are good reasons why governments may want to impose price or quantity restrictions on the market. Those include things like there are other social outcomes that they want to create. For example, with minimum wage, they might be pursuing livable wages or reducing income inequality. With things like rent control, they might want to create more diversity in the population that's living in a certain area. And with quantity restrictions, the government may be trying to support its home industry or trying to encourage other types of investments in its home country by preventing other countries from outcompeting them. But that said, that doesn't mean that these are free for governments to impose. There are economic costs from these activities. And again, as a business leader, you need to understand what the impact of those policies are on your business and the markets in which you operate to understand how you should pursue going forward your strategic choices in those markets. The last thing to think about with government intervention is the concept of rent-seeking. Rent-seeking is when economic actors undertake efforts to create or capture rents. What we mean by rents are not what you pay your landlord. Rents are excess profits that are earned by owners of certain assets, and typically by capital owners. The name comes from 200 years ago when David Ricardo was wondering why certain landowners were able to charge a higher price to tenant farmers for an acre of land. He saw different pieces of land that had this one acre would be charged different amounts to the farmers. And he wondered, why is the rent higher on one piece of land than another? And generally, rent comes from the fact that those assets are more productive or have certain barriers preventing other people from using them. There's something which is attractive about that asset. Oftentimes, these restrictions are placed by governments which create the rent in the first place. 
And oftentimes companies will try to create these rents by having regulations imposed or other types of policies imposed, which prevent others from participating in the market with them. And when we see these rents as a possibility, we know that companies will exert effort and exert resources to try to create those rents and then also capture the rents to make sure no one else gets them. And again, whether that's good or bad for society, there are arguments for why it could be good and arguments why it is bad. But what the important thing to realize is that when you are in a market and as a business leader, if you see your competitors doing things like this, you need to be aware of what they're doing and think about how you want to strategically respond. Governments influence the economy. Governments are not a competitor in the market like you have other companies or the buyers of of the products or services you're selling, but the choices governments make through taxes and subsidies, price controls, and quantity controls affect outcomes. And as a business leader, you need to understand what impacts those are going to have on your business. Next time, we're going to shift our focus to look at how companies make those choices, which ultimately affect the supply curve. So next time, we're going to start our analysis by looking at the production technology. 